to 1 Peter this morning. The book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. That's our main verse this morning. Famous verse in the Bible. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. If you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you, you're going to find that on page 1,393. Lord, I pray that you would use this time now in your word to speak to us clearly, to fill us with insight that improves our lives and our witnesses for you. We thank you for the many blessings that we enjoy just because we know you. We enjoy them every day and we'll do so for all of eternity. Lord, speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at this beautiful verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says to all of us as Christians, if you're a Christian, this is a verse for you. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. A reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Over the last several weeks, we've been learning from the scriptures how to be better witnesses for Jesus Christ personally, as individuals, as we in. You know, interact with non-believers that we see and know day in and day out. And we've seen that the direct assault approach isn't really effective. It doesn't work if you go in and preach to everyone at your office every day and hit people with Bible verses and gospel tracts and be real aggressive like that. That doesn't work. Here's what does work. Living the Christian life every single day. Keeping those top priorities in your life as a Christian. We spoke about those a few weeks ago. Loving God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And loving your neighbor as yourself. You do those two things every day. Being fruitful Christians. Being men and women of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Living like that day in and day out. As we spoke of Last week, having our speech filled with grace and seasoned with salt. So it's living that way and speaking that way in front of your non-believing community. And it's doing that day in, day out, week after week, month after month, year after year. And if you do that, I promise, I promise people will notice something different about you. And they'll want to know what you have. And then you're going to have the opportunity to share Christ with others. It's not like you'll have to make opportunities. The opportunities will just come. I promise you, it works. Live 
that Christian life. Now, Peter, in this verse, speaks about another characteristic that should mark every Christian life. And that characteristic would be hope. As Christians, we are to be the most hopeful people on planet Earth. In your sphere of influence, you're to be the woman or the man of hope. You're a beacon of hope. Peter says, be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So, Christian, let's talk about things that make us so hopeful. Peter speaks about a lot of the blessings that we have as Christians. In fact, Peter is known as the apostle of hope. John is known as the apostle of love. Paul is known as the apostle of faith. Peter is known as the apostle of hope. And he gives us all kinds of words of hope in this letter. I want you to just look at a few. Turn over to chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Those verses are amazing. Look what they say to us as Christians. If you're a Christian, you are a begotten again one. God has begotten you again. That's the idea. You have been born again. You become a brand new person. Before you came to Christ, you were dead in sin. You gave your life to Christ. You've been forgiven. You're a brand new person that will never change in your life. Brand new. It says he's begotten us again into a living hope. You have been born into a a living hope, not a pie-in-the-sky hope, a certain hope. It's alive and active in you. Peter says that you've been born into a living hope, verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven. Now, this is speaking about our true home. If you're a born-again Christian, this time here, this life is real temporary. Your eternal future, your inheritance in heaven, is your real home. And it's amazing. It's unfathomable. This is speaking of what you have in heaven awaiting you. The mansion of glory, the streets of gold, the brand new body, uh, this perfect, pristine condition in which you live. That is yours. And look at the four words that Peter uses to describe it. An inheritance incorruptible. That means it cannot be It cannot perish in any way. It can't decay. It can't get older. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things that you can buy in this life. You can buy some pretty nice cars. 
or you can buy a really nice house. But does it always stay pristine? What happens over time? Even the most expensive cars, their paint gets run, the maintenance. Your inheritance in heaven is incorruptible. It's undefiled, meaning it's absolutely perfect. No detail is missing. It's complete. And I love it. It says your inheritance in verse 4 does not fade away. It will never, ever, ever lose its luster, its shine, its wonder. Heaven will never grow old. You know, this last week I was in Southern California for a wedding. And we stayed in a hotel right across the street from Disneyland. The happiest place on earth, right? And I got to tell you, we didn't get a chance to go because we were busy. But when you walk, when you first go to Disneyland or Disney World, it is. It's a wow. You're filled with wonder. But let me ask you, if you went to Disneyland every day for a year. If you rode Space Mountain twice every day for a year, it'd get old. You'd get sick of it. In heaven, your inheritance never loses its wonder. Every day new, every day glorious, something brand new. New. Now that's coming for you. That's your home, Christian. After these 70, 80, 90 plus years, right? Heaven. It says also in verse 4 that it's reserved in heaven for you. You have these reservations in heaven. And reservations in heaven are not like reservations on earth. Ever been to the rental car to get your reservation? Or try to get on a flight. Oh man, it's insecure. But I promise you in heaven, they're reserved. God will keep them. Verse 5 says that you are kept by the power of God. If you're a Christian, you are kept by God himself. You are safe. You are secure. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Brother, sister in Christ, that's you. And so no matter what you're experiencing any day, every day. What issue or trial or whatever you please understand where your real home is and where your hope is look what he continues to say in verse 6 Peter says in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here Peter's very realistic. He says even as Christians, we're going to be grieved by various trials. There's going to be all these tough things that we'll face in this life as Christians. And you want to know why? Because this side of heaven, we live in a fallen world. And we live in fallen bodies. They get sick and get old and die. 
And there's all sorts of issues that we deal with. And even as Christians, you might experience more trials than if you're not a Christian because you become a target. It's not easy. We all experience, we go through these difficult things. But as Christians, we have hope because we know that there's a purpose for them. God uses them in our lives. God makes us stronger. God makes us better witnesses. He makes our faith stronger. Job was probably one of the most tested men in all of human history. You remember his story. In Job chapter 23, the man who was tested so greatly said this, He knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Really? Count it all joy. Yay! When you fall into various kinds of trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And patience will have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you understand that the trials and tribulations in your life, God uses them to make you better? There's purpose in it. And the way I read scripture and the way I've seen, even in my study of church history, some of the people that God has used the greatest are the ones that suffered the most. They went through big time issues, but God refined them and used them so greatly. Let's say I had a $5 bar of steel. I could, I could sell this bar of steel for $5. Or I could cut it into a couple of horseshoes, sell it for $10. Or I could cut it into needles. Then it's worth about $350. Or I could take that same bar of steel and cut it into delicate springs for watches. Now it's worth $250,000. The more cutting, the more surgical removal, the more valuable you get. The stronger you get. God uses those things in your life. And not only to make you more effective here, but prepare you for the future, prepare you for your eternity. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So no matter what's going on in your life, my brother, my sister in Christ, how difficult it might be, you, at least you know that God's hand is in it. He's upon you. He's making you better. He's preparing you. It's not easy. I don't like trials. It's hard. But there's purpose in it. There's hope. Look what... Peter says in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, that verse 
tells you, Christian, how much you're worth, how much God loves you. You were not redeemed with gold, silver. That's all small potatoes. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb who left heaven and came and died on a cross for our sins and shed his blood to redeem you. When you placed your faith and trust in him, he redeemed you. Please know how valuable you are and how much you are loved. And never lose sight of that hope. Look over in chapter 2. Look at verse 9. Peter says to Christians, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Notice what, who we are. What Peter calls us. He says... We are God's own special people. If you're a born-again Christian, you are one of God's special people. You're a part of his special people. You're a treasure. It says you are a chosen generation. Chosen born-again ones. In this generation, of all the people living on planet Earth, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a chosen, born-again one in this generation. You are a member, a citizen of a holy nation. The church worldwide, think of it. Every tribe, tongue, race, nation without borders, without walls. You're part of that. Peter says that you're part of a royal priesthood. My sister in Christ, you're a queen priestess. My brother, you're a king priest. You're part of God's royal family. As a priest, you have direct access to God and you get to represent God before other people. And you get to take other people before God and pray for them. Peter says you have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'll tell you what, man. The person who has everything that this world can possibly offer, and yet they live in the kingdom of darkness, they got nothing. If you don't have a whole lot in this world, but you live in the kingdom of light, you got everything. You got everything. We have the pleasure of living to proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into light. Verse 11, he says, Beloved, we are the beloved ones. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. That's who you are as a Christian. Again, you're a a pilgrim. You're a soldier. A sojourner, it says. These are literally people that are just passing by. 
Please understand as a Christian, this place right here is so temporary. Everywhere, all over scripture, it says, you're just, you're a pilgrim passing through. Your home is heaven. In fact, you're called a citizen of heaven. Everything here is temporary. So every type of suffering or bad thing, it's all temporary. And you shouldn't get caught up in all of the things here because it's all temporary. Your home is heaven. You're the beloved of God. Think about these things. My brother and my sister in Christ, you remind yourself of these things daily. And let that fill you with hope. Every single day. And let that hope shine through your life. So here we are as Christians. We live in a world of naysayers, of pessimists. We live among people who are living in despair over things that are happening to them in this world. They're so disappointed with finances or whatever it might be, whatever they're chasing at this point in their life. They live in despair and fear over death because everything here, everything's here. This is real. People are confused. People are, hmm, they're insecure. And God has placed you in the midst of those people to be the constant beacon of light, of hope. They look to you and they just see hope. You're the man of hope. You're the woman of hope. And they see and they say, how can you be so hopeful? Maybe they're distressed about the country and whatever's going on in the country and, and how can you be so hopeful? Or maybe they see that you're going through difficult times in your family. Maybe there's sickness in your family. There's tough times for you. And yet you still see this hope and, and you just keep shining hope in all these people who are hopeless. See that hope in you. They're drawn to you. And Peter says when that happens, in chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, Peter says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, set, a, set apart the Lord God in your heart. In other words, the heart is the center of you. It's the most important part of you. And the Lord God is to be Lord there. You're to set apart God in your heart. Everything in your life should rotate around Christ in you. In fact, he's your living hope. By the way, that's really where all our hope comes from. As Christians, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He lives in us. He's our living hope. He's the one who walks with us through every trial. He's the one who wants to shine in us. He's the one who reminds us every day of the realities of heaven. He is your living hope. You set apart Christ 
in your heart. You live these hopeful lives. And then people are going to ask. People will ask. Why are you so hopeful? Give me a reason. That's the word that's used here. Give me a reason why you're so hopeful. And Peter says when they do that, you must be ready to give a defense. And by the way, that's a heavy-duty word. It's apologian in the Greek. It's where we get our word apologetics. It speaks of a smart, reasonable argument. It's a legal term. It's like the defense that a defense attorney would make in a court of law. So somebody says, why are you so hopeful? And you give them the reason in a very clear, well thought out, wonderful way. Why are you feeling so hopeful? Well, this world isn't my home. The Lord is with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And, and you give the reason, you share your story, and you're able to share the gospel. I know Christ. He died on the cross for me. He rose again. My home is in heaven with him. He's never going to leave me or forsake. You share it with the people that ask. And Peter says, Peter says, always be ready. Christian, listen to that. Always be ready. So you are always living that life of hope. People say, hey, why are you so hopeful? And you're ready. You're ready to share. And by the way, we always share the gospel with the right attitude. He says, be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and in fear, every time you share spiritual truth with a non-believer, you do that with meekness, not arrogance, gentleness, kindness, And you do it with reverence, too. Reverence is this word that means respect. You know, when we have a reverence for God, when we fear God, it's because we respect him. And I think the idea is that when you share Christ with people, respect the people you're sharing Christ with. Don't bully over them. Respect them. Share. Be clear. Be loving, be humble. You know, that's really, this is, this is, this is the Christian life. This, you could sum up this whole thing this way. If you're a Christian, you have hope and enjoy it every day. Enjoy the hope. Spread the hope. Share the hope. Please, let's not be the Christians that join the great chorus out there of complainers and whiners and woe is me. And I just have it so tough. Christian, you've got it so good. You've got it so good. Be that positive, optimistic, 
Man of Hope. You know, I mentioned a, a week last week how I, I spent a lot of time working as an engineer, and I worked in a defense contractor, and my job was to be an engineer and work hard, and I'd do that, but I would also try to be a witness for Christ every single day. And I just tried to live out my Christian faith, and I always tried to be upbeat, positive, you know, have a nice... And, and I guess I was that way because they used to call me Mr. Smiley. And I just had a demeanor. I just, you know, when you love God and you have hope, you just have the demeanor about you. you. You just exude hope. And I sort of became known as that guy. And there was a, a younger lady. Actually, she was a little bit older than I was, a younger single lady. And she was working and she was kind of insecure. She, you know, she, would, she lived in this, uh, you know, she's trying to work as a, woman in a man's world, she said, in the engineering world. And she was very insecure and, you know, and she did, she made a big mistake and she almost lost a, a big time contract for us. And uh, she was upset. She went into her office. She slammed the door and, uh, man, nobody wanted, but Mr. Smiley, she wanted to talk to Mr. Smiley. And I'm the young 20, I'm the kid. So she came into my office and we talked and I was able to share with her and said, look, Amy, we, we make mistakes all the time, but God says that he uses mistakes to make us better. All of the trials and I got to share with her and pray with her. And a couple days later, I got a call into my, the main boss's office, Terry, you're wanted in the main boss's office. I went in. And he said, whatever you said to her completely changed your demeanor, and I really appreciate what you did. And I would share Christ with her. You know, I never had the pleasure of leading her to Christ. I never got her. She wouldn't open up like that. But I know that seeds were planted. The Bible says that some of us water, some of us plant, and some of us harvest. But I promise... You're doing one of those three if you're a man or woman of hope. You're showing people reality, truth. I was at a wedding this last week. And and, uh, some of you know that uh, four years ago, one of my best friends in seventh grade died. He's a very strong, beautiful Christian man dear friend of mine for many years and I did his funeral service well his daughter got engaged and she wanted me to do her wedding ceremony and so I did her wedding ceremony on Friday and it was hard my buddy didn't get to walk her down the aisle and when there was the daddy daughter dance granddad had to fill in and I shed some tears and a lot of people shed tears But that family is a strong Christian family. And though there was some grieving, there was a lot of hope. Knowing that we would all see him again. Knowing that God has a plan. We don't understand it, but he has a plan. And I promise you, there were a lot of people at that ceremony that saw an incredible supernatural hope on display. And that's what we're to be. I've done a lot of funeral services. I've been in, right there in the midst of a lot of really 
really tough family situations. Some of you, I've stood with you at gravesides. But we have hope. Every funeral service with somebody that I know is with the Lord, there's a hope. And there's a hope that's, that's, gonna, that's for something that will last way longer than here. You understand? Way longer than right here. So enjoy the hope. Show the hope. Share the hope. Amen? Father, I ask your blessing upon your people. I know that there are times in life, there are seasons that are so difficult, and I pray for my brothers and sisters right now who are going through a difficult season. I pray that you would remind them, remind them, how good they have it in you. Encourage them. Lord, wrap your arms around them and encourage them. I pray that you would help us to keep our hearts and minds and focus on those things that are absolutely true. Even when our feelings are are difficult. Lord, I do pray that you would make every one of your people a beacon of hope, shining hope. Help us to be that. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that hope. You have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus died for you. You're very valuable. He spilled his blood for you, the cross. You've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of all of your sins. And he will. You'll become one of his special people. You have to place your faith and trust in him. You have to do it personally, individually. Nobody can make that decision for you. You must admit your sinfulness and ask Jesus Christ to wash away all of your sins. And if that's you, if you'd like to do that right now, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just It's a simple prayer in your heart. It's a cry of your heart to God. If that's you, Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I cry out to you in my heart. I want to belong to you. I want to be in your nation. I want to be in your family. I want to be filled with that living hope. So I come now and place my faith in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Shedding your blood for me. Paying the price for my sin. I admit that I am a sinner. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Save me. And then use my life for your glory. 
by the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.